0: Would you join with me in prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in all our hearts be acceptable to you, our strength, our song, and our salvation. Amen. The first scripture I remember memorizing was 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful and will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but with the testing will also provide the way through so that you may be able to endure it. I have leaned on that verse countless times and been encouraged by the thought, no matter how much evidence there was to the contrary that God would not let me be tested beyond my strength. That verse has gotten me through dire medical emergencies, uncertain job situations, and painful relationship conflicts. It has gotten me through times when my faith itself was shaky and when my sense of God's presence was literally no more than a splat. As I look back, however, I realized that what really got me through those times was other faithful people showing up for me when I couldn't show up for myself. The friends who offered to preach for me when I had to visit a hospitalized child across the other side of the state. The colleagues who sat with me in deep patience and without judgment during a crisis of faith. The strangers who carried me for most of a hundred-mile pilgrimage hike after I had broken my ankle. Time and again, God's faithfulness came to me in the form of other frail humans like myself who lent their faith and strength when my own tank was empty. God will not let you be tested beyond your strength. I have been certain for years that this was God's word to me, and to each of us, as individuals. But I learned something this past week in studying the scriptures for today, which makes so much better sense of both my own experience and the text itself. When I looked through the Greek text, I realized that the you Paul uses in that word of encouragement is plural. It's not about my strength being tested, but ours. And we as a body are gifted with the resources to endure. The way through that God provides for us is each other together. That plural good news came to me as I was reading the gospel text for this morning also from Luke chapter 17. In it, the apostles say to Jesus, increase our faith. And Jesus replies, if you had the faith the size of the mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. We had a mulberry tree in our backyard a year ago. After two massive sections of it came down in our neighbor's yard, The arborists who came to see what we could do with the still massive remainder said it was the largest mulberry they had ever seen. It took a crew of four muscular young workers the better part of a day to get it down to the stump and they still didn't even attempt to uproot it. Uprooting a mulberry tree, like faith itself, is not a one-person job. It is so easy, especially for us Westerners steeped in individualism and the ludicrous pull-yourself-up-by-your-own-bootstraps mentality, to believe that Jesus in this passage is calling out the inadequate faith of any one of his followers. How often have I said to myself, if only I had more faith, and then thought of this passage as a reminder that I couldn't even muster a mustard seed sized faith, much less enough to move a mulberry tree. But Jesus isn't talking to one of his followers here. He is talking to all of them together. As the Greek text makes clear, every you he uses, just as Paul does in Corinthians, is plural. Jesus is talking to them as a body. He's talking to us, as a whole. Faith is not a solo performance. It's a choir. It is not buried treasure. It's a non-stop circulation day on steroids. It is not a microwave dinner for one. It is bread for all who are hungry. Refreshment to gladden every hurting heart. Communion for the whole world to share. So much of what Jesus calls us to is faith enough to turn to each other, both when we need help and when we can offer it. As Pastor Sarah described so beautifully in the September Spire, we are all in this together. At first glance, the passage from 2 Timothy that Edie read seems to stand somewhat in contrast to that corporate sense of encouragement. It appears to speak less about how we move in faith together and more about how Timothy could handle by himself the situation that was testing him. The second letter to Timothy is written as though it is a sort of last will and testament from Paul to his younger companion and fellow apostle, Timothy. Most scholars, however, believe that the letter was in fact written perhaps 40 years after Paul by an author who wrote in Paul's name and informed by Paul's proclamation of the gospel and perhaps even using some of Paul's actual words accepted, excerpted from earlier letters to convey needed guidance and encouragement. To the leader of a young church in its own time of trial. It is written during a time when there were other loud voices proclaiming a whole different take on what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Reading between the lines, it seems as though Timothy and his young church may actually have felt ashamed to call themselves Christian given what else was making the rounds under that title at the time, which may sound a bit familiar. But a second glance makes it abundantly clear that the encouragement Paul offers is not about how Timothy can go it alone in leading his congregation. Instead, the author reminds Timothy of all the ways his faith has been grounded, informed, and encouraged by others. He remembers Lois, Timothy's grandmother, and Eunice, his mother, who were early followers of Jesus and passed down the gift of that relationship to Timothy. Paul asks Timothy to remember back to when the two of them were traveling together and sharing the gospel, and when Paul conferred the mantle of apostleship onto Timothy with the laying on of hands. He asks Timothy to remember how God's power and purpose and grace and new life have been revealed again and again in their lives, especially in times of suffering and testing. He reminds Timothy that the faith and love of Christ that has sustained them in the past can give him confidence that God's presence, assurance, and guidance will be with him even in this newest time of challenge. And implied in all of Paul's words of encouragement to Timothy is the call for him to pass on to his church the encouragement of Christ's spirit just as it had been passed on to him. To slightly modify a familiar phrase, it takes a village to raise a faith. The gospel of Christ, which brings life from death, is treasure intended to be shared. So you may be wondering then, why does Paul tell Timothy to guard the good treasure that has been entrusted to you? Aren't guarding and sharing opposites? Raised on medieval European folk tales, when I hear the word guard, I immediately get images of knights in armor or thick castle walls protecting those on the inside from invasion from the outside. Or I think of a crown jewels exhibit I saw in London, all that spectacular treasure displayed behind bulletproof glass. And certainly, that's one way to envision what it means to guard our faith. Keep it inside these walls. Make sure no outsiders get in and that those of us inside don't let it get out. This is faith with the motto, because I was also raised on Monty Python, none shall pass. Just to be clear, however, that is not what we are meant to hear in the call to guard the good treasure of the gospel. What is meant, I believe, came into focus for me in two conversations I had with church members last week. One was with a member who described going through a tremendously trying experience in another faith community, where their own faith and intentions were maligned. Through much soul searching and prayer, they realized the importance of both discerning and claiming what they knew to be true of God's word and the way it moved them to be and act in the world, even when it put them at odds with the rest in the church. Remember a couple of weeks ago when Jeremy Simpson reminded us from this pulpit that faith is spelled R. I-S-K, it is risky to listen deeply for where God is calling us to go, and riskier still to step out into that place where we have been called. It is risky to allow our faith to grow and learn and be changed. It is risky to challenge ingrained and unexamined behaviors in ourselves and in our communities the focus that emerged from me for that first conversation is that we guard the good treasure of our faith by taking those soul-searching risks, by being willing to listen for God's spirit and to learn and grow and be changed by it, by being unashamed to claim the God in whom we put our trust. We guard the good treasure of our faith, not in a brittle, unbending way, but by letting it move us into ever deeper and therefore ever riskier engagement with God, with our own souls and with each other and the world. The second conversation with a member who's been participating in the Jesus and John Wayne book study included the recommendation of a book by Canadian theologian and author Douglas John Hall. Hall is now 94 years old, still active. And when he was 85, he wrote a book entitled What Christianity Is Not and dedicated it to his grandchildren. Like the letter of Paul to Timothy, Hall also saw this work as a last will and testament of sorts. The word he wanted to share with his children's children to encourage them as they wrestled with what their faith means in a changing world, especially a world in which the very core of our Christian faith, that Jesus has come to show how God is both with us and for us, has been trivialized and twisted and imperiled. I was reminding Reading Hall's beautiful dedication to his grandchildren that guarding the good treasure of our faith means both clarity about what we believe and what we don't, and willingness, passion even, to pass on that truly good news to others. Again, a reminder that faith is not a time capsule to be squirreled away, but a feast to be shared. We guard our faith in the good news of the gospel by giving it away, by investing it in the next generation and the next. Which brings me in a roundabout sort of way to this season of stewardship we are entering. We've chosen to do it differently this year as Christy said because like so much else in our not yet post-COVID world, we are in new territory. And rather than putting our heads in the sand about that reality, we are embracing it. Rather than despairing that we've got faith only the size of a mustard seed, we are planting mustard seeds galore and watching them grow. In the midst of being tested, we are trusting that God will provide the way through, and leaning on each other to be the hands and feet of Christ to show us the way. We are guarding the good treasure of our faith by sharing Christ's love, not just through our finances, which is critical, but through our ministry teams, through our hands-on commitment to this community, and through our own care for ourselves and our families. We're being upfront about the fact that the lion's share of our budget goes to staff salaries, and recognizing how vital our staff has been in helping us stay connected to, and engaged with, and encouraged by each other during this really trying time. We invest in them as they invest in supporting us our building, our music, our programs, our ministry, and our message of God's extravagant welcome. We are all in this together. Like Paul writing to Timothy, or Douglas John Hall writing to his grandchildren, we are asking ourselves to guard the good treasure of our faith by investing in a future we can't see yet as we look forward to welcoming a new designated senior pastor. And that means not only praying fervently for our search committee as they do their good work, but putting our money where our prayers are to support the financial package for that next pastor. We make that faithful, risky investment so that the treasure we are as First Congregational Church may continue to be a gift and a feast, and a sanctuary, and a place of open doors in this community. And as we do so, as we make our stewardship commitments this year, we show the world that the gospel is not just theory, it is embodied in us by how we take risks, by how we love each other, and by how we show the world that God is with us and for us and how big that us really is. We guard the good treasure of the gospel by investing our time and our finances in sharing this good news, both within and outside these walls. Our people, our programs, our staff, our building, our campus, our mission, All of these are where the gospel gets lived out and where our faith becomes visible. The treasure we guard, the good news of Christ's love with and for the world is not abstract thought. It is an embodied reality. And we, we are where that reality gets embodied. The treasure we are guarding, the treasure we are investing in, The treasure we are deepening our relationship with, the treasure we are giving away and sharing with others, lives in us. May our stewardship truly show how we are all in this together. Amen.